0: Hi, everybody. It's Matt from A Medic's Mind here. Just wanted to chime in and let you know that my book, A Medic's Mind, has recently won bronze medal placement for the very best book award under the category of nonfiction for the Miramichi Reader and Atlantic Canada Review Press. Unbelievable. Blown away by this. Guys, I can't thank you enough. Your support your reviews, your kindness, and your continued support, reviews, and kindness mean the absolute world to me. And I truly am blown away. Thank you so very much. As always, my book can be purchased at any major bookstore. It's available in ebook and many other formats. Audiobook pending. It's coming. It's coming, guys. It is. It is. I'm working on it. It's just going to take a bit. Anyway, a Medic's Mind available now. Get yours today. Hi everyone, and welcome to a medic's mind. Thank you for joining me again, and thank you for the numbers of last week. Uh, the last episode has been doing uh, remarkably well, so thank you guys again for the support. Uh, my my book got a, an incredible review uh, online on Instagram. Uh, I'm just gonna give me a second to pull it up here. Um, let me see if I can find it. Uh, Sue books a lot. That's S O O books a lot. So S-O-O, books a lot, Sue books a lot. She uh, gave me an incredible review. i uh blown away by the things that she had to say about my book. She is a a nurse um, who took the time to read my book, and uh, she said some incredible things. So if you guys have an Instagram account, uh, head over to at Sue Books A Lot, and you can check out the review of A Medic's Mind over there. But Sue, if you happen to listen to the podcast, I don't know if you're a, a listener or not, but if you are, Thank you so much for your kind words. They really do mean a lot. Um, this whole book thing is still uh, like a huge source of incredulity for me because I never expected to write anything, let alone write a book and have it be published and then have it be received so well by the people that have read it and uh, and have reached out. Um, it's uh, I've made the bestseller list on Amazon a few times, uh, and we're coming up on the year year anniversary of when the book came out. like Next month, October, October 19th, the is when the book came out uh, of 2019. So we're coming up to the year mark, and I'm still uh, ticking along here, so that's pretty cool. I don't know anything about the book industry, so I really don't know if that's uh, if that's a good thing, but the fact that I'm still making uh, some impact uh, in my mind is a good thing. So thank you so very much. I sincerely appreciate it. It means the world to me. Um, you guys are, honestly, you're, you guys are incredible. Just absolutely incredible. Uh, so yeah, welcome to A Mind the Podcast. I do have a blog read for you guys uh, today, and it's a story that takes place a few years back, actually uh, a lot of years back, um, now that I think of it. It's funny how time gets away from us, isn't it? Um, but it takes place in New York City. New York City is one of my favorite places, and the reason that I, I started writing this story was because... I, with with the world the way it is, travel is difficult to say the least, especially leisurely travel. So it got me to thinking uh, with my move coming up uh, about some other times that I've traveled and, you know, with my move coming up, I'm going to back into my hometown and I'm, I'm going to be next to my best friend, Drew. And then, so that really started to ignite things because he was with me in New York, both times I've been there. And uh, on the one journey that we went, it was just he and I on a thing that we dub the bro trip. We try to do it every year uh, or every couple of years, but unfortunately life sometimes gets in the way. But this was one instance where we were able to make it happen and we went to New York and it was a great time. So I wrote a story about it, um, but it's kind of a story within a story, really. And you'll see what I mean when you listen to it. Uh, But before we get to that, I got a joke for you guys. I mean, what better way to sort of mitigate... Some of the vexations that we're feeling of 2020 with a joke. So here it goes. All right. Susie and Kyle. Susie and Kyle work in the same factory. And Susie turns to Kyle one day and she goes, Geez, Kyle, such a nice day, man. I really don't feel like working. And Kyle goes, Yeah, I know what you mean. Susie goes, You know what? I bet you I can get the boss to give me the day off. Kyle spins around and goes, How the hell are you gonna do that? She goes, Trust me, the boss is coming, watch this. So the boss comes in through the room and Susie jumps up on her desk and then swings upside down and hangs from the rafters. And the boss goes, Susie, what the hell are you doing? She goes, I'm a light bulb. And he goes, Susie, uh, you're not doing so well. I, you should just take the rest of the day off and go home. So she jumps down starts leaving and Kyle gets up and starts following her. And the boss goes, Kyle, what the hell are you doing? So Kyle turns around and goes, what? You expect me to work in the fucking dark? I heard that the other day, and I lost my mind. (laughs) I thought it was one of the funniest things I'd heard in a long time. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I'm simple. What do you want from me? Uh, Anyway, the story coming up next is called Wishful Thinking. Wishful Thinking. And it is, as I've alluded to, a story within a story. But I hope you guys like it. It's Coming up next, Wishful Thinking. I once had a beer with Abraham Lincoln. I've shared a pint with Charlie Chaplin. Chuck, if you know him well enough. I gawked in utter mystification at the illusionary stylings of the one and only, Harry Houdini. I've dined lavishly next to dignitaries, and I've sipped bottomless pitchers of ale alongside city miscreants. How, you may ask? Easy. I went to New York City, baby. The Big Apple the year was 2013 the place the specific place Well, that's what I'm here to tell you about. If you ever find yourself along the lower end of midtown Manhattan, be sure to head over to 15 East 7th Street. There, nestled among the tapestry of aging brickwork, you'll set eyes upon a quaint little establishment. It's recognizable by its green signage and blackened entryway. Emerald kegs, each of them hyperbolically swollen and off-kilt as if to be inebriated themselves, sit outside. A promise of drunken shenanigans beyond their point of placement. McSorley's Old Ale House. Neighborhood watering hole since 1854. It was there that I met and imbibed with the aforementioned men of history. The oldest pub in New York City. A proclamation imbued by hubris. It's actually written in perpetuity on the easterly window. When you first enter through the wood and glass doors... You're greeted by an aged wooden decor and a hefty aroma of celebratory lager. On the floor, footprints stare up at you. They're stenciled in the sawdust that loiters throughout the place. Its interior is narrow and crooked. The wood that binds the place together is old and arthritic. But you can't call this place a dive. That's just not accurate. If anything, it's a portal through time. Stapled to the walls are overlapping pictures and photographs comprised of varying shades of faded and fading. Depicted on them, when examined close enough, are sailors, loggers, businessmen, and important people of a previous era that is long since come and gone. There are notes beside bucolic frames explaining the significance of this place. I learned that Honest Abe drank there. Houdini even left a pair of handcuffs behind as a token of appreciation to McSorley himself. They hang triumphantly behind the bar, still locked together. You can only order the in-house ale, and that's made up of either light or dark. None of this new fandango corporate swill that now saturates most modern establishments. From the moment you walk in, you feel a swell of history and time overcome you. Whether it's the sensation of sifting sawdust beneath your feet, or the tiny slivers you're surely to collect if you lean on the bar for too long, it's an amazing experience. And I'm overjoyed that I got to partake in that experience with my best buddy in the world, Drew. I was in a bit of a rough place, emotionally speaking, during that trip to New York. But Drew didn't mind. He just wanted the pleasure of my company. Life had seen to it that we lived on opposite ends of the country from one another. But each year we tried to plan and follow through with an annual bro trip. With he having a young family... And my being a first responder, marred by a fracturing relationship, it made fruition of our plans difficult at times. But in the spring of 2013, Drew and I found ourselves successfully jovial in New York City. A place that I had always dreamed of going to. I'd seen it in movies and on magazines. And as a kid from a low-income family, it always seemed so far away. So the fact that I was standing with my best friend in the world dwarfed by infinitely tall buildings that stood all around us. I was about as content as one could be, even in spite of my introspective tumult. Back then, I liked to drink. Actually, I had to drink. It was the only thing that quieted the noise of trauma inside my beleaguered mind. Drew, being Drew, had taken the time to research the intricacies of New York and its offerings. We had spent the day as wayfarers, zealously meandering from landmark to landmark, taking pictures and stopping to ogle the concrete jungle. The Statue of Liberty was a cool thing to see. Taking the ferry ride and imagining to the best of my abilities what it must have been like to navigate that voyage all those years ago was a deeply humbling experience. The clap of waves hitting the bottom of the boat as it slowly cut the surface of oceanic expanse engendered weighted contemplation of how frightened many of those people must have been. Seeing Lady Liberty, the promise of something better. My personal hardships felt a little less potent for that brief moment of contemplative reticence. Drew told me about McSorley's, informed me that it was the oldest bar in the whole city. Hearing that, and feeling the call to drink, I was more than eager to make my way there. And so we did. Now inside, Drew and I procured two beverages each. It was standing room only by the time that we had gotten there. So we perched up in a corner of the room and swigged from our glasses as our eyes frolicked around the dusty room. It was during my visual stroll that my eyes captured an oddity hanging above the bar. On a makeshift lamp rail above the bar was a collection of wishbones. They straddled the horizontal bar, neatly stacked from one end to the other. The peculiarity of such a sight ignited enough of a curiosity within me that on my next vagabond for more drinks, I asked the bartender what those bones were all about. He told me that they had been there from the start of World War I through to this very day. Being a former military man myself, my ears tightened with intrigue. I asked a few more probing questions. Evidently, McSorley himself gave the gift of a turkey dinner and an ale to all those readying to depart for the war abroad. The soldiers, sailors, and airmen each placed a wishbone at the top of the rail as a gesture, a promise of a safe return, and the hopes of prosperity when doing so. The wishbones were never collected. Not one. McSorley saw to it that the wishbones never came down. Demanded that they stay seated right where they were as a sign of respect and memoriam to those brave souls whose wishes never came true. Talk about another humbling moment. I have always remembered that story. In fact, I can't look at a wishbone without feeling sawdust beneath my feet. The smell of old wood and spilled drink join this visceral remembrance. For the duration of our stay at McSorley's, my gaze lingered on those dust-covered bones. I wondered if any of the men who had placed them there were anything like the men I had known. The men I had served alongside. The men I had lost. The men whose wishes never came true. Starker. Boomer. Wilmot. Well, this life of ours is a finite thing. A brief, cosmic spasm in the fabric of time. It's important to take pause and reflect sometimes. To breathe and remember that we are alive. That no matter how hard life can hit, it's not over. Not until it is. So best to keep on living. To keep on wishing. My problems began to fade from forefront that night. I enjoyed Drew's company. We stood and drank as brothers. Our lives and the details within them ceased to exist for a perfect albeit brief moment in time. We each drank from our glasses, gave cheers to one another, to those who were there, to those who were not, and to those who never would be again. So it is, as I have said, I once had a beer with Abraham, Harry, Chuck, and some of the bravest men in the history of our world. That's one hell of a New York night. No wonder that city never sleeps. me